It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. What a crazy week it has been in the world of football. David Wiener with you once again for another episode of The Gagapod, joined by Michael Bridges and Luke Wilkshire to try and make sense of it all, look forward, and most importantly, actually talk a little bit of football again. There's a lot to get stuck into, so let's get started. Wow, yeah, what a week it has been in the world of football. Uh, quite hard to believe what happened in just the space of two or three days. A crisis into being solved, and it is a story that will not go away. Michael Bridges and Luke Wilkshire, great to see you guys. When I called you on Monday to come onto the show, I didn't know what was going to come up this week. It was going to be a lot quieter than what it was. But boy, what a week it has been. How are you, boys? How are you, Bridgie? I'm very well, thank you, Dave. After that 70-odd hours of madness um, with the Super League and the Premier League action as well, Jose leaving, it's just been absolutely endless. It's been frantic, and I just can't wait to get tucked into it on the, on the gig and pod, mate. And look, been a while between drinks. How's the season going for you? Is this going to be a bit of a uh, an outlet for you today to, to vent a little bit on the podcast? Maybe a few smoke screens, throw a few players under the bus. What, what, what are you looking forward to the show? No, mate, it's good to good to catch up. It has been a while, but um, no, look, none of that, none of that. It's been um, you know, a bit of a an up and down start to the season. Um, but we're going to come on here and we're going to talk talk positively about the rest of football in the world and not the NPL one at this point of time, mate. <laughs> Exactly. Listen, we are going to get stuck into football sooner rather than later, but we do have to touch on what has been as extraordinary a week as I can honestly remember in the last, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years that, um, that I've been involved in the game. And uh, just to kick off with, I just want to know you, you guys, um, you know, you're involved in the grassroots, you've played at the highest level of the game. When this all unfolded, how did you feel from your point of view as former players, as people who are entrenched in the game, who talk to people, as we speak, living and breathing it. How did you feel, Luke? Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I think uh, there's a lot of different emotions between anger, disappointment, um, you know, frustration. I think, you know, I think everyone in the world of football around the world, and you, you see how much it's affected, you know, touched everyone around the world, um, the actions. And for me, it's, it was actions of people that, that don't, don't really know and love and breathe the game like we all do, like the rest of us do. And, you know, I think the the reaction from the the world football community and people around the world was was phenomenal, which made those money men, um, you know, that are after the greed and, and don't understand what it means to to the rest of us. Um, yeah, just how much it does mean, and and that that sort of thing can't happen and should not happen um, for our game. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very similar feeling. I was, I was angered by it, Dave, because growing up as a kid in in England, it's you know, it's just passion. You, I go and used to watch Newcastle United. I was a Tottenham Hotspur fan when Chris Waddle left, and you see your team go through divisions, relegation, ups and downs. Um, and when you become a player yourself, you know, I started, I started at Newcastle United, didn't make it. Went to Middlesbrough a tryout, didn't make it, and finally third attempt um, at a sixteen-year-old boy, I made it at Sunderland Football Club, and you dream of working your way up the pyramid of football. So I'm starting in the championship with Sunderland who are close to relegation. Then you get promoted to the Premier League with Peter Reid. You get relegated. You go through all these roller coaster rides. It's exciting. It's traumatic. It's turmoil. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my room here now with AC Milan shirts behind us and Roma shirts. You get, I got a Leeds United and I still used to pinch myself playing with some of the best players in the world, Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka, Rio Ferdinand. You go on a run in the Champions League, you get the semi-finals playing the teams that you've admired for so many years. And we got that opportunity. And we, you know, I still still pinch myself thinking about it. And I look at the Leicester City story, getting the Premier League title. If you take all of that away from football, and there's no pyramid, there's no future for for girls and boys to aspire to be something. This, they were just trying to basically monopoly the whole market for their own personal gains, realising that they could not get relegated. They were going to try and capitalise on the wealth. And the guy that's really, really 
pissed me off is that guy from Madrid is Perez, who has basically for years and years and years, you know, influenced and put so much money into Real Madrid, put them in turbulent situations financially, and they get bailed out. And he realised that this was a huge moment that they could get out the crap um, and get them back to them Galacticos. And I just think it stinks. And I, I was really, really annoyed by the whole of... Um, the people involved in the football at them f- clubs that went and jumped on board, they didn't look at the bigger picture, the people involved. They just saw the money and the greed ASAP. So Florentino Perez is an interesting one because he's the latest news today as we record on Thursday morning, Australian time, where you think the story is all but over. But he's come out today and come out swinging again and insists that this concept isn't dead in the water, that it, there is still a binding idea behind it that even though the Premier League clubs uh, are out, that it could still go ahead, that Juventus and Barcelona and AC Milan have not left. Look, it sounds like the ramblings of a man holding on to power. It's actually, I, I get chills up my spine thinking that that this this guy is almost holding our beloved sport to ransom, so to speak. It's madness. He's attempting to, um, you know, I think you've seen the reaction of people around the world and I think players and, and coaches alike. And I think, you know, ultimately without the, the players and coaches, they're going to have that buy into to such a league. You're not going to have the content simple as that. And and that's where it's important that the, the true football people um, around the world stick together in what's best for football and not get caught into to the greed and uh, you know, the business side of it. And that, that gets lost. Look, you need that side of football. It's important. Um, but football is football. And that, you know, that comes before money. I mean, me. this guy's saying he's going to save football. What a load of crap that is. He's going to save What's football. Wrong he's, with it? He's, going to, he's going to destroy it. Yeah, and he said it was football will be dead in 2024. And have you seen who Real Madrid have just signed? They've just signed Alba on a five-year deal to 2026, I do believe, on £400,000 a week. And Perez is saying that the game is going to be dead in four years. So why are you signing these players? He, he's just a muppet. And um, yeah, you, do, do you know the other thing about the American owners at Manchester United and Liverpool, Dave? Mm-hmm. The other thing that's angered me then they never liked the concept of promotion and relegation. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. understand the pyramid system. Yep. They see obviously all the sports that are in America, you know, the franchises and things like that. They haven't, they haven't embraced it. They haven't got the concept of it. They don't understand the people and the fans and the players, what it means to European and world players that do have promotion and relegation. When you've got a super league and there's no, teams going in and out it becomes stagnant becomes boring this is the problem with the A-League I find because there's owners in football clubs looks at Wollongong Wolves I'm at edge with the Eagles we've got owners that want to get involved in football and sport the FFA Cup is the most exciting thing because you can play A-League teams and you can have a challenge against them so the A-League now there's people are looking at the A-League why would I invest in that and why would I do it when or why would I invest in another club outside of the the A-League when I've got no chance Mm. of being the pinnacle and being at the top system and that is why the A-League has become stagnant and boring because of this whole system you play the same teams there's there's no there's no accountability in that i believe that the the sooner and the quicker we can get that kind of thing going here whether it's a b league or whatever they want to try and do you need it because it captivates more people gets more people involved in and it's better for the game in general emotion that's what the game's about the beauty of football is those emotions the highs and the lows that make it the beautiful game that we have, you know? And that's why the only time you really see that is when we get into the playoffs here, which is non-football-like. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, but, you know what I mean? And that was a really great point about the uh, the NBA and, and the Americanization of it. What stunk for me through this was they just didn't get it. Now, what astounds me is how these rich and successful men back down in the space of three days. It's like if I sit here and you and I, or the three of us, say something a little bit silly off the cuff, we might sit there and have regrets and go, oh, we shouldn't have said that. They had time to concoct these plans and think about it and then realize, like to say it was a mistake after three days. How is that even possible? How is that even possible? And I thought it was interesting with the Glazers and with John Henry yesterday with their statements. It just looked like they just didn't get it. And that is what confused That's me exact, more than anything. exactly how it looked when you saw the way he spoke and how apologetic he was. It was like he. That's him themselves. They didn't speak to anyone, any football people, obviously, because anyone who knows football would have said, you you know, you need to think very hard and carefully about this because you're going to get backlash, which they didn't. The power of the people in numbers is frightening. Um, it's better than the people in power, as they say. Do you know what I mean? It was a, it was a massive, massive statement. I remember Leeds United did a, 
similar thing a few years back, Dave, and, and look, you um, it really rattled Richard Bayless from Optus because they went ahead and changed the Leeds United logo, the badge. Mm. And this the backlash from the fans, they said, we haven't been engaged in this. How can you do this? You know, and they, they, they went ahead, uh, sorry, they went against their word and changed it and listened to the fans, but initially they didn't. So Leeds United learned how powerful the fans were. And ever since then, it's been a lovely, lovely ride um, of success under the new regime, but they did make a mistake. So these guys have made a mistake. They've come out and apologized, but I'll tell you what, the damage is already done. The, what they have done to their fans is a disgrace and the fans have the power around the world not to buy season tickets anymore, not to buy shirt sales and they're going to get hit hard because people were saying what punishment do they deserve? Well, the players don't deserve punishment. The managers don't. The owners do. And I think the punishment is going to be coming from the fans of them football clubs that are just going to go, you know what it is? Stuff you. We're keeping our money. And there was a lot of fans this season bought season tickets already, um, especially at Manchester United um, and at Tottenham to even though they couldn't go to games, they bought season tickets. I'll tell you what, that ain't going to be long before that stops. And I wouldn't be surprised if major sponsors pull out soon from all these clubs as well. I think United actually got hit, or Liverpool, I can't remember which one, got hit pretty much within 24 hours that the sponsor was going to move out. And one of you mentioned the word content a bit earlier. That's the one that hit me. Um, and then I know in at Optus Sport, we've got a ton of stuff you can watch, and, it, and it's great. But it's more servicing the football fan that you can watch it however you want, whenever you want. I think the idea here that they wanted to turn almost football into a streaming service, football into content, football that was just something that you could just tune in on, tune in and out, every night and there's Real Madrid against Barcelona. Oh, what's on tomorrow? Oh, Real Madrid against Manchester United. Oh, what's on tomorrow night? Oh, it's Barcelona against Real Madrid again. We're not ready for that. We don't need that. There's nothing wrong with what we've got. And I think Spain and Italy have their challenges going forward, but the Premier League does not. And trying to Americanize it was not the solution. Um, I wonder what happens next, Luke. Bridgie spoke about um, fans being burnt. What happens next? Can we just brush this off or how long are we going to feel the, the pain and the hurt of what's happened over the last few days it's definitely not just going to be brushed under under the carpet and we move on with an apology accepted i think um like bridgie touched on there that's that's going to hit hard and it's going to it's going to be there for some time i don't think it'll ever go away um that moment and that those that, what was it 72 hours or whatever it was that'll live there forever in in the in the history books now of football unfortunately um but now the fans are, are definitely not going to let that one slide anytime soon and I'll tell you what, I don't think the owners are going to let this slide as well because they're going to come back. They're, they're going to go away and they're going to think about something that they can try and come up with another concept, another idea. And tr they're, they're definitely pushing for this. There's no doubt about it. They're going to come back in abundance because you don't start up websites and pages and come out with all this stuff and 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 not have an end game plan. And the other thing that was annoying for the fans a lot of the fan bases had been and the, the group supporters the main hardcore guys that go and sit down with the owners and the board members to get an insight of what the club are going to be doing in that month going forward mm. a week before nothing was shared with any of them from the owners about this Super League nothing was even mentioned so they feel absolutely heartbroken it's almost like a relationship that's brought you know broken whether it's been with your partner with your father or something like that you've you've been you've they've, they've been tarnished and they've been hurt and it's it's not going to be easy and <laughs> to to get this back together this love affair I, th I think um there's too many fans have been disappointed with their football clubs and liverpool who are the hardcore for me like the best fan base in the world i would say for the amount of things that i've experienced when i've seen liverpool play overseas with their legends they are absolutely hurt and when they say take our badges and our flags away from the cop man that's that's a statement of i think they will not go back to manchester united and liverpool until both sets of owners have gone back out of the city and pissed off back to their country because yeah right and you know what just seeing their comments last night you just think that um th that's probably not enough it's probably not enough and uh one thing that if there is a positive out of this on monday when everyone was giving rallying cry saying fans have got to get together a part of me thought oh, this is a little bit of i guess hope or denial what can fans actually do against this might and the fans did win the fans did win and that was that was really 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 positive Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Before we move on, and I want to move on because it's I want to get out of it. The only thing that did get lost amidst all this was, did you guys see the changes to the Champions League that did come through? And the remarkable thing about these changes was these were done sort of um, as a peace deal with these big clubs, uh, but it wasn't enough for them. They come in in a couple of years' time, but what did you make of those? And the idea that effectively the historical clubs will still get in even if they don't qualify on sporting merit. Dave, just give the listeners a little bit more of an idea of what the changes have been. Yeah, so uh, the, in a couple of years, the competition is going to expand and the group stage is going to be abolished. It's going to be a league table um, and it's going to expand. There's going to be over 100 more games in the Champions League. So th- this idea of content is definitely going to increase. Um, and there are, uh, I can't remember the number off the top of my head of, of, of how many new spots there are. But for example, France's league will get an extra spot because they'll be the highest league that it deserves another spot based on coefficient. There'll be a couple more automatic spaces, but the big, point that comes out of this is there are two spots available for the two um, highest placed teams that didn't qualify on sporting merit who have the most historical contribution to the Champions League so it would mean that Spurs Bridgie could come last in the Premier League and still make it into the Champions League if they were the highest team left out who hadn't made it yet can you believe that so this is why Spurs jumped on board with the Super League because the two things, they wanted to pay for the stadium. They need the money for that. Uh, Levy loves money. <laughs> he's he's cash greedy. And also the fact that they knew that they're not going to be in the top the, the, the top four and get in the Champions League in that way. So they thought, let's take a quick pinch here. Uh, I like the idea of the Champions League having more games because I do love the Champions League uh, in the concept. So the more teams that are in there on, on merit, like you say, you've got to finish somewhere to get in. But when I saw that about the ranking figures and the team that has got the best, you know, like, oh, historic, what a load of crap. If you don't deserve to be in there, you don't deserve to be in there. So that for me is the only laughable thing, isn't it, Luke? I I totally agree. I think, um, you know, and and that's where you talk about they've been dealing with these bloody Super League wannabes, the bigger clubs. And then so they've, they've given them that little carrot that historic club can get in, even if so, if you've had a bad year. If you're up there historically, you'll still get into the Champions League, so you still get your money. I don't think it's right. That's not how it is. Earn it. Earn it year in, year out. You know, and you talk about that Super League and look at Arsenal and Tottenham when they go in there. When was the last time they were in the Champions League? So they don't deserve to be. Simple mm. as that. You've got to earn it. That's why I love Pep Guardiola's comment. He came out and said, "Without if what was it, sport without winning is not a sport. Mm. Mm. Yep. And yet the Champions League, of everything that's gone on, I think that's the one fundamental flaw that the Champions League have just come back with because everybody was having a go at the teams that were in the Super League. And I think the Champions League have just had a little bit of a slip up there. That's one thing that they could have changed, lastminute.com. Yeah, but if it was, um, I suppose if it was uh, the the, the the lasting piece to try and uh, silence these big clubs. And that is what it is. So, I mean, weirdly, you look at something like the top four race, which we have now, which is so exciting in the Premier League, Liverpool will probably sit there going, well, do you know what? We're going to be all right. We will still qualify even if we come fifth exactly. or sixth. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and so on. So it's uh, it's there, yeah, 36 teams instead of 32, but it opens the door to make sure that these historic clubs stay up there. And then it's a, you know, it's a cycle. Once you're in there more often, of course, you're going to remain the highest, you know, non-qualifying club that, that has success because you're going to keep getting in. But anyway, guys, that's enough of that. And let's hope that this time next week, no one's talking about it. I suspect you're right, Luke, that it's going to linger. But thank goodness it escalated and de-escalated at that rate. And I apologize to the listeners for swearing. It's just very, very, it's been something that's really hurt me over the last few days because of the the history and the heritage I've had from back home. Mm -hmm. So I apologize for the language. Rightly so. Rightly so. It's never nice to see, you know, the only time football makes major front page headlines in Australia is when the game is making a mockery of itself. And it did this week. And and it's from the top end of town. And it was just absolutely devastating to see. So thank goodness we can talk a little bit of football. And guess what? It's actually relevant because the top four race is now back as a legitimate thing. When I watched Chelsea Brighton on Wednesday morning, and it was the strangest game to watch because I didn't know what it was for. You didn't know. You're thinking, if these guys are all going to go play in a Super League, you know, who cares what happens in the top four race right now? But today, guys, we had uh, two matches on Thursday morning matches, a silly match to City, I should say, beat Aston Villa and Tottenham edged Southampton. 
Let's start with Spurs, guys, because if Monday wasn't busy enough, we had the sacking of Jose Mourinho. I mean, honestly, honestly. Um, let's touch on that quickly. And look, first word to you, Bridgie, because you're the Spurs fan here, but from two coaches as well, um, your view on what happened uh, on Monday. The, I could always feel it was coming. I mean, I was I was happy because I haven't enjoyed watching Tottenham under Mourinho. I felt that there's been, you know, there's times this season, seven times they've been ahead and they've gone on to lose the game. That that should not be under Jose Mourinho. When Mourinho normally takes the lead, he's known as the special one. He keeps the result going. So Leeds, um, sorry, Tottenham have gone from that position, winning position, and lost games too too often under Mourinho. So I think the writing was on the wall. However. The timing of the Super League, I think Jose has just had a little... He's definitely said something. Because to do it the week before a League Cup final, um, I just think there's there's got to be some underlying issue. Or they have realised if they don't do it now, they might not get certain other managers who are on offer around the country, and especially a German man at RB Leipzig. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one they're putting all their eggs in basket to go for Nagelsmann. So I was I was pretty delighted with that. However, the timing I didn't think was great going into the League Cup. But having said that, seeing that um, Mason was in there, uh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, he, you know, he's he's gone on to coach after he finished his career with injury, and you could just see after the game how much it meant to him as a as a ex player now as the head coach and the caretaker. And the players responded absolutely brilliantly without Harry Kane as well. By the way, his post match comment look couldn't have been any different to a Mourinho interview. I think I counted the words: br- commitment, bravery, took risks courage he was so enthusiastic how proud he was of the players um at 29 years of age the youngest premier league manager ever he's shown that he's even got a grip of what to say after the game too that was really impressive oh it's phenomenal and, and you could see that when when he got given the the caretaker role the, the passion and what it meant to him and so you know from that that passion that he's got enthusiasm there's no doubt that that's rubbed off in the short time that he's been taken over and in charge into the players. And, and like you say, that showed in the in the performance and the result. Um, and you've got to be absolutely delighted for, for someone like him. With Mourinho, look, the talk that he, he wouldn't take the players onto the training field, a bit of a uh, you know uproar against the what the club had done with the Super League. And I think they saw their opportunity. Like Bridgie said, I think the writing was on the wall. They saw their moment and uh, and pulled the trigger. So, look. They'll move on. They got, you know, they're still only two points away mm. from the top four. Mm. You know, they're, they're still in there with the race, you know, and, and the way results are going, who knows? Um, especially with the with the running they've got and a bit of confidence. So uh, watch this space. Imagine if Ryan Mason wins a trophy in his second game, Bridgie, um, at 29 years of age. That'd be phenomenal. Did you see enough of a change? It was certainly early doors, not today, but in the way they masterminded a comeback, 2-1 against Southampton. Gareth Bale with the first goal of the year at Son Heung-min late penalty but Gareth Bale coming off afterwards and saying we want to attack I just thought there were so many signs there, there today were, that this is a changing of the guard that was the interview um, and the moment when I went oh yes the players so I, I talked about this with um, Moyes when he first took over at West Ham how you put shackles on players who attack of pl- attacking players and you say we need a bit more defensive minded attitude when you've got a, a forward line like Spurs have and you put shackles on them players and try to do a bit of Mourinho, you're not, they're, they're going to do it, but they're not going to embrace it. And, you know, I could just sell by Gareth Bale when he said, you know, nothing better than attacking. It was almost like they've been given a freedom to go forward. And the pressure that he was under, obviously, and all the talk, he had a point to prove. He got out there, he got his moment, and Gareth was able to, to express that. And then the, the moment that I love was Son with the penalty, the pressure was on and it just looks so relaxed. And I mean, the pressure was on because of the the magnitude of what had just happened during the week. And he was there and you could tell he wanted to do it for um, for Ryan Mason. You guys are both young coaches. Um, do you ever pull out the Mourinho confrontational sort of style in, in what you do, trying to get a result, trying to get a reaction from a player? Uh, this is a pretty fascinating moment because, you know, just looking at those two comments, you just feel like Mourinho might be done in the Premier League in particular. Um, as young coaches, when you watch and observe and the way you take things in, um, I'm very interested to see what you make of, of the different styles there and, and sort of the, the end of, of, of Jose in that top top tier. Yeah, look, some of us are younger than others, aren't they, Bridgie? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, look, there's there's different styles, there's different ways around things, and and you know, because you're dealing with different characters, you know. But you you've got to be firm in in your beliefs, I believe. Um, and he is, and but you need buy-in. Ultimately, you need to you need to be able to to manage those players and to know how to get the best out of them. 
you know, and that's a that's a beauty and the challenge of, of being in that role and in that position, um, you know. So and there's plenty of good challenges like that. Understanding personalities, not just football and their ability, but personalities. Yeah. And what you've got to do as well, you've got to read the situation, Dave. Nobody, nothing can prepare you for coaching because Luke's just said there's loads of different personalities, loads of different characters. What I've tried to do at the at the Eagles when I'm coaching and whenever I've done it um, at the Newcastle Jets, you, you try to build relationships because you want to know an insight as to you know the the families, the players, what they're about. Just take an interest, so you know that if you get an interest, all the managers I've played under that took an interest mm. in what I was about. Mm-hmm. Um, David O'Leary would always send flowers on um, your wife's or partner's birthdays um, from him and his family. That was just to, to get the wife's buy-in, the partner's buy-in on that side was huge because they came on the journey to support him and saying, oh, what a, what a nice guy, you know, and things like that. So you're getting all of them, um, but nothing can prepare you for moments in games because anything can happen. And I've I've been really relaxed in the and enjoyed coaching. And the first few games, even though we haven't got the results that I was after, but I lost my lid at half time in our last game against um, Newcastle Olympic. And I just I re- recognized that they needed a kick up the backside, and it's not in my nature. And I, I just lost it. But I, I didn't, I lost it in a way where it was controlled. I'd had a chat with an assistant manager, and I said, I'm going to lose it at half time. So I need premeditated. You. It was it, yeah. it was on the cards. It was needed, and it was premeditated. But I had to have a. Sec- You've always got to think of the reaction and the negative from it. What are you going to get? And you know, I've, I've said I need you to come in now after I lose my lid and just get the relaxed atmosphere back in the dressing room. And um, we got a hell of a performance second half. We didn't get the result, but we had twenty chance, eighteen chances. So. Like you say, you just can't. You you just can't. I I thought I would never be one of them shouting and bowling coaches because I don't want to be. I think the games change at, at a younger level, but there's a time and a need for that. And that um, I thought hundred percent, one hundred percent, hundred percent. There's a time and a place. Everyone needs it. You know, you can't let people get too comfortable. And you know that's human nature. That and especially with players that you know, if you're too nice all the time, you know that that comfort sets in, and, and you don't want that. You need people on edge. You need people on edge daily, daily, weekly. Um, especially if you want to be at the top. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So it's an Agglesman's the hot tip, but uh, that that might be who Spurs want. But is that a good move for him? Is from a Champions League club to potentially not Champions League club, from RB Leipzig to Spurs? Sorry, Bridgie. Um, look, they tried to make themselves guaranteed, but it just doesn't happen. Um, is is that a is that a good cool. move? I think it's a good move for Spurs. Is it a good move for Nagelsmann? I I think it is because he's gone through the Red Bull system. He has he, he knows everything about the game. I mean their 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 bible on the football, the way they play is absolutely magnificent, and the the way it's drilled into um, their players is incredible. And I, I see the same thing at Dortmund as well. When I heard um, Bellingham talk at seventeen, and he was talking about the dynamics of getting into the space, getting into pockets, and getting the runs, a seventeen-year-old kid shouldn't be talking like a coach. It, it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. He's only been there a year and a half. And that was at Dortmund. So Red Bull are very, very similar. Speaking of Davis Rillich, seeing how they operate as well before he moved on, mm-hmm. went overseas to America, to the MLS. It was just great insight to the education they have. So I think for Tottenham Hotspur, it's absolutely brilliant. They're getting a guy that can um, give them a whole new, not philosophy on football, but new dynamics and and bring some of that wisdom along with them. Is it good for him? It remains to be seen. I think, he, yeah, like you say, Champions League football, um, but everybody wants to be in the Premier League at this moment in time, Dave, because it is the pinnacle. So he will see it as a huge move because he's going to a huge club globally um, and on the up. And potentially he can make a difference by winning things in that trophy cabinet. And he can build a club, which is a yeah. build a team, which is interesting too. Um, earlier this morning, Luke, as well, Manchester City uh, beat Aston Villa 2-1. Had to work a little bit for it, even though they dominated in large passages. Uh, Phil Foden and Rodri with the goals. But what took my attention here was, for the first time, Pep really lavished praise on Phil Foden after the game. This this is becoming, this is becoming a serious thing that he is now really, <laughs> really stepping up. He is, he is, and I, you know, I've said it for well, probably months now. Uh, I keep saying I, I, I think he's phenomenal. He's unbelievable to watch the way he moves with the ball, his intelligence, um, you know, and it says something to the young Englishman to be able to break through into that city squad and do what he's done shows the quality that he possesses. And I say he's he's a future Messi, an English Messi for me. Um, you know that he's just he's just beautiful to watch. You know, they're, they're special players like that. The way they glide with the ball is just phenomenal. We know you love him, Bridgie. Um, just, just with a little. Today's fifty days until the Euros, by the way. So it's it's a really relevant talking point. Um, 
he does make the 11 now, doesn't he? Absolutely. Um, and, and where? Without a shadow of a doubt. And you, you know the form that Sterling is in at this moment in time? He's really mm. down on confidence. It's not great. Um, Pep Guardiola's actually give him a, a kick up the backside and a bit of acknowledgement to say you've got to get back to doing what you do because your spot is, is gone basically at this moment in time. Um, and it's not as concrete as it used to be. So I think that's the same with the England setup. I think you can play Phil Foden anywhere in that. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Anyway. If you want to play him as a, on the right side, he'll drift in with his left. You want to play him as a false nine, he can do that. But obviously, if Harry Kane's fit, he doesn't. This kid's just got it. Luke, Luke's nailed it. He's um, He is the English Messi. Um, and it, it's been a long time. I think Grealish was the guy that used to get me out. He still gets me out of my seat when he's on the ball. I get excited when he's got the ball, especially when he's playing for Villa. And I think you've seen the dynamics. And England haven't had that kind of play, I've said, since Gaza. Yeah. Now we've got an abundance yeah. of them. But this yeah. kid, Foden, it, it, he couldn't be in a better place with Pep Guardiola to learn what he is learning. And the understudy of David Silva, oh, he's just had an amazing apprenticeship and he's embraced it. Quick one. We always talk about Haaland and Mbappe. What more does Foden have to do when everyone talks about generation next to be like, you know, he's going to be right up there as as a player that kids are going to fall in love with for, like, we're talking 15 years potentially. You, just, you look at these these Euros, I think the Euros coming up. This 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 is moment. They, yeah. mate, you, you go and that, you stamp your, your mark there and then you'll see you, you do have a tournament that you know he's capable of and England also what they're capable of. Right, then, then they're going to come out the other side of that and everyone's going to be talking about that. Don't yeah. worry about oh, that. You've just taken the words out of my mouth. The Euros are there. And I remember Gaza, Paul Gascoigne doing it for England semi-finals with Bobby Robson. And, you know, after that, the, the, everybody around the world knew who Paul Gascoigne was. It was mainly people in England. And then he went to Italy and everybody was like, this guy is crazy off the field, but he's just as crazy and brilliant on the field. So, yeah, Phil Forden in the Euros, watch this space. He, he, is a, he, he can get, make some massive noise and waves there. Can't wait for that. Hey, speaking of which, just a few whistle stop topics to, to get us through the next uh, little while of the podcast. Um, Euro, as we said, 50 days to go. And I had a, a really nice treat this week going through and looking at some uh, classic moments. We put together a 50 greatest Euros moments piece on the Off the Sport app, which you can have a look at now. It's got some great video and it's a bit of a walk down memory lane. Um, and it reminded me how much I love this tournament. Um, what, what's your favorite moment, guys, from, from the Euros? You can go first. Uh. I can go. Look, for me, uh, 2004 has to be Greece. Greece, you know, the, no one gave them a chance to to beat the host Portugal. I think, um, you know, and the reaction around the world, the Greeks around the world, um, the Greeks in Australia, I think, um, you know, that just sticks out in my mind. Do you know what it is? I was with um, Stelios Giannakopoulos at Bolton Wanderers when he left us and went away to the Euros. And we had, a, obviously, Sam Allardyce was the manager there, absolutely brilliant. And he had a right dickhead of an assistant in Phil Brown. And Brownie was the guy that you always, you know, he, he made that fundamental error when he had the players at Hull City in the, yeah. in the front. But he always, Brownie always looked like he had fake tan on. It was always all about Phil Brown. So anyway, when Johnny, when Stelios came back with his trophy and he with his medal we the canteen all the canteen ladies put on a a greek theme in the canteen it was absolutely brilliant to welcome him back you know and it funniest thing ever phil couldn't let stelios have the limelight phil had to get up and welcome him into the to the um canteen going hey stelios congratulations this is for this is for you and he got up and stood on one of the canteen tables and got two plates and smashed them together in the you know the greek yeah. fashion that you do <laughs> and he, the next thing you know he just saw blood <laughs> dripping from his hands and his, his fingers and he'd sliced them over and, and stelios went yes and we have special plates for that yeah. boss and we loved it we were like yeah, brilliant couldn't have happened to a nicer man it was great <laughs> outstanding outstanding um quick quick crystal ball um who, who's who's your early tip you can change it you're gonna have plenty of time to change it between now and kickoff but um who's who's your favorite who do you fancy france france yeah 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 oh, mate, i'm gonna i'm gonna back england yes the form photons in gareth southgate he's gonna bring it home don't say it's coming home because it never bloody does. <laughs> there is so much to look forward to. The more I prepare for this tournament and have a look at it, the, the more exciting it becomes. And it is so close to call. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, next topic to you, uh, Luke. Bit of a whispers that Matt Ryan might be uh, about to ink a permanent deal at Arsenal. Um, so I ask you, Matt Ryan's potential permanent move to Arsenal is? I think more than likely. 
You know, I think uh, Ted has shown he's got faith in him and he, he's speaking, spoken highly of him. And I know Matt Ryden's um, attitude and he would be playing or not, but whether it's actually the best thing for him, um, especially looking internationally with the national team, I don't know because I can't see him being a regular there, which is, for me is going to tarnish his opportunity to, to be playing in the national team, especially when you've got someone like Mitch Langerat playing and performing so well. Um, I think, uh, you know, you've got to be playing. Look, if, if Matt Ryan was going to be the candidate to be the Socceroos captain, um, how big concern is this is that he might not be playing regularly? Because it's a double decision for Arnie to make in terms of the captaincy and the goalkeeper. It is a concern for me. Look, ultimately it'll be Arnie's, Arnie's call. But um, I know for me, I want someone who's been playing. You, you need to be playing regularly and not in a in a reserve grade or sitting on the bench. You need someone who, who is match fit and... Um, you know, mentally in that state for, for, for match days. Interesting to watch this space. I know he'll love it. And look, Mikel, I tell you, I did call him a beast in terms of his training attitude before the game and that he allowed is, him to get a is. start. So yeah. let's hope, you know, let's hope that maybe the case there is that, that he does see an opportunity to maybe knock Burnt Leno off top spot and, and, and seal his spot there. Speaking of Australian football and Arnie, by the way, um, how about the, the Tokyo Olympic football draw where Australia has been drawn with Egypt, Spain and Argentina. And there's plenty of whispers that Mo Salah, Egypt are doing everything they can to get, um, to get Mo Salah at the Olympics. The Matildas play Sweden, the US and New Zealand. So two really, really tough groups for the Australians, but some great football coming up a little bit later this year. Bridgie, just now, that uh, promotion, relegation, top four, it's all relevant again. Um, interesting state of play in the championship, but we know Norwich are up. What would look likely? But joining Norwich in the Premier League will be, you think... Well, Watford for sure. I think the last result against Norwich, they showed Norwich are still in party mode and I'm delighted that they are back. I think it's just reward. You know, they only conceded, um, I mean, the goal difference is absolutely superb. They only conceded 32 this season. They've gone on, there are 90 points at this moment in time. That's incredible feat after what they went through. They've kept most of the squad together after they got relegated. And um, I just think it's absolutely sensational um, what they have done. They deserve it. Following them, here's one for you. The great run of form for Bournemouth, who were in turmoil. Yeah. My mate, Jonathan Woodgate, um, was released from Middlesbrough, was in was in limbo. They got him in as first team coach to come in and help out the manager. The week he arrived, the coach got sacked. And Woody is adamant that there was nothing behind this. Yep. He, he's, he said it. He came in after speaking to the manager himself. Um, and he's found himself in the hot seat. And I'll tell you what, the run of games that they have had, they're five on the spin now, wins out, and they're on 77 points, sitting in third. I think it's too far for them to catch Watford um, in that respect. But I'll tell you what, the, the momentum going into the playoffs is what it is all about. And I've been there myself. I finished third after being second and missing out, and we lost all faith. And the team in Sheffield United that had the momentum going in that managed to beat us and go up. So for Woodgate and Bournemouth, Swansea chasing them with another point behind them. Brentford, I'm going to say Bournemouth are going to join them, and I would love to see it because... um, there's two things. Woody will either get the opportunity to have a go in the Premier League, um, which will be great because he's, he's a mate of mine. I wish him all the best. And I think he was very harshly treated by his home club in Middlesbrough. Interesting. I didn't realise that to never have the three that have gone down bounce back up immediately straight away together. So a bit of history on the line in the championship as well. Uh, Find one of these whistle top topics for you, Luke, is one of the fallout uh, um, on one of the other bits of the fallout on Monday was Ed Woodward saying that he's going to leave Manchester United at the end of the year. Such a polarizing figure. He spent something like, I think we worked out, nearly $2 billion on transfers in his time at the club. Um, his legacy at Manchester United will be? Yeah, look, I think a lot of people are very happy about that. Burning money. I think that'll be his legacy. <laughs> Burning money. I think, uh, you know, the reaction that I've seen on social media, there's a lot of people who are happy to see, see him going. Um Look, he, he loved to spend his money. He, he loved to to splash the cash. And yeah, I don't know, Bridgie, you, you seem to have a an opinion about him, didn't you? Well, he's, he was doing a great job for Manchester United because um, he's held them held them back for so held many years. Yeah, absolutely brilliant <laughs> from a Leeds perspective and in a, a Spurs perspective. But for a, for a football purist uh, and the way I look at the game, there there is signings that he has made. I, I look at Haaland going to Dortmund. That was a when he when he went there, that was thought about. 
they went to a team where they were going to play a similar style. When Man United had the money to go and sign Van der Beek, he wasn't going to fit into their philosophy and their style of play. That's not what they were, he just had the money. There was no again, I think it's just a power control thing. There was no chatting to discuss with the the managers and the, the the players, well, not the players, but the manager and the coaching staff about who to bring in. And I think that's one thing that Arsene Wenger lost control of when he was at Arsenal. He spoke about, he loved control and everything. He knew the players he wanted to bring in. And when you start getting these football directors and whatever they call their names, where it's got to go through a filter system or a triage system and the managers get told who they are signing, um, yeah, that's when it's become a, a fundamental flaw. And I think there's one man really celebrating is, is um, Gary Neville because he hates Woodward. <laughs> Gary Neville's been celebrating a lot this week. He, he might really get, the, he might get the job. If I was Man United, I'd be getting him employed there. But because of the things he said, he's probably unemployable. Well, I mean, they've taken the big commercial route with that Woodward and he's been very much the, the puppet for the American owners. It'll be interesting to see what direction they do take next. But certainly slapstick transfer spending has been his uh, defining yeah, character trait there. So we'll see what happens next for Manchester United because they've actually got a bit of stability with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now in charge um, of the club and potentially with some momentum too. Now, we know they're going to finish second, but now the top four race doesn't get anything better than on the weekend when Chelsea play West Ham at 2.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time. But of course, mini-match highlights on demand. You can watch it at when you want, at your leisure. And the stakes here couldn't be bigger with Chelsea dropping points a nil or draw against Brighton midweek means that they go into this game level on 55 points with West Ham. This, gents, is like a top four grand final. How do you see it playing out? It's an absolute cracker, isn't it? You couldn't ask for much much better, especially coming to this back end of the season. I think, um, you know, West Ham after a disappointing result against Newcastle last weekend, Chelsea with a disappointing draw with Brighton. Um, both of them desperate to, to make the top four. This is, um, yeah, it's a, it's a critical game for me, for both of them. And it'll probably end up a 0-0 zero, zero draw. <laughs> I, I just think that it's a, I've got West Ham finishing the top four, Dave. I do apologise. I just, I've seen their running. I like their running. Yeah. And after all the stuff that has gone on with Chelsea in the Champions, uh, the Super League, sorry, with their fan base, the, the players and even some of the staff look, shell shocked. They didn't look organised, and you saw Peter Check outside in the grounds of the fans pleading them to say, "Let the bus in, let the bus in." And then there was a celebration, almost like a goal was scored when they found out the news that they had pulled out. But there was still a lot of um, oh, unsettled people there, and I think it's going to affect the players. And I think Tuchel wants the Champions League as do the players. Now th- that's why I'm going to take West Ham here. I think West Ham will get a point out of this. Um, I agree with Luke. I think it'll be not a nil-nil, you know, mate, score draw. And I think West Ham, their running um, is a lot easier. However, West Ham do have injuries and suspensions to contend with. But I feel that there's no more incentive than to strike while the iron is hot and Chelsea are on the back foot at this moment in time with their supporters. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. So it's an interesting balancing act. So you're saying that maybe the Madrid game on midweek will play on Wednesday will be a bigger focus for Tuchel than this game? Or does yes. he does he go all that and pick his best team for both? I mean, it, that's a pretty big balancing act right I'm, there. I'm saying he's going all out for the Real Madrid. Interesting. So the context here, Luke, is to talk a little bit about what's happening around this game. And Leicester have two games. They play tomorrow morning, Friday morning against West Brom, and then again on Tuesday against Crystal Palace. So they get, they've got a game in hand. So everyone tipping Leicester to slip away. This doubleheader against West Brom and Crystal Palace is absolutely massive for them to secure uh, their top four future because everyone would assume if you're going to pick West Ham, you're going to say maybe there's still a spot for Chelsea or Liverpool or Spurs. But if it's Leicester and West Ham, boy, there's a big team missing out. Liverpool play Newcastle on Saturday night, 9.30pm as well. Where do you see these dominoes falling in terms of this uh, this top four race? I'll throw Everton Arsenal in there at Saturday, 5am too, but that's just a technicality. I don't think we're talking top yeah, four. Race. No, I don't think so either, but no, look, I think it's a, it's a cracking weekend ahead and, and that's the beauty of the game. We talk about this excitement when, you, when you're looking at those games to even just try and get in the top four. Um, for me, Leicester, it's in their hands. These next two games are crucial for them. They're uh, gone. They're gone. They've lost they, the last two. They have. They yeah, have they've gone. Lost, they're gone. They've, they've, lost their, they've lost their last two. But if they if they win the next two, they're back there. And they I got think Southampton and Newcastle after two, these two games. They're all winnable games for me. They, these next two games will be crucial. If they, well, the next one, because you've got to win and get momentum after off the back of two losses. 
And I've if they can them, do that... I've got them dropping out. I think they've bottled it like last season. I really, really do. And I think the injuries, the impact... Vardy's in terrible form. Thank God for Ian Acho, by the way, because if it wasn't for Ian Acho, they would be out of the top six at this moment in time. Hey, the ball is round. It turns very quickly, mate. Go. Oh. Don't worry about that. Hey, I, I still think they've got enough. They're there in that position for a reason. They've been in a, in a bit of a rut. There's no saying that they can't get out of it and make that top four. So, by the way, they got to sort it out probably over the next few weeks. And we'll know over the next few weeks because there's two fixtures I mentioned, then Southampton and Newcastle. And then, effectively, every one of their games is almost a six-pointer. It's United, Chelsea, Tottenham. So, see ya. Gone? Gone, Ski. So it's West Ham then. It sounds like to me then it's West Ham and Liverpool to you, Bridgie. Yes, that's who I've got going in. And the the reason I go for Liverpool, they're out of the Champions League. They're f- they, what, what I saw from the players in Milner and Henderson, galvanising them players and coming out and being the ones that had the kahunas to say something about the Super League when they're employed by the football club um, and their owners were going for it. I just thought it showed unity um, and Klopp would have loved that. And I think this could galvanise them going forward for the rest of the season because I, they're the only group of players I've seen come out and do that and really, really sound authentic about it. And, uh, um, I've, I've got them having a really good run. And the reason I say Chelsea will drop out is because Tuchel, like you say, if you're in the semi-final of a Champions League and he's missed out on so many opportunities, this is a great focus for him. He's not bothered. He he is bothered. The club are more bothered about a top four finish. He is bothered about the Champions League and winning that thing. And that's why I think he's fully focused against Real Madrid. Interesting. And, and you look, you had, you had West Ham in. Uh, yes, I think if West Ham can, can get a result against Chelsea, West Ham every chance, and I'm going to go for Leicester. I think Leicester, with the running they've got, if they can find form in the in the next couple of weeks, they've they've got a real shout for me with that running. Imagine, imagine Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, all not in the top four. I tell you what, that is absolutely unbelievable. And that's why there shouldn't be a Super League. because Well, that's Everton why they'll that, call it the shitty league. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> Leicester and West Ham have qualified on sporting merit. So you've, you've alluded to it, um, a massive weekend of Premier League coming up, and then after that, Champions League semi-final. So you're saying, Bridget, you think maybe this is Chelsea's time to make it through to the final. Wednesday is Real Madrid against Chelsea. Thursday is Paris Saint-Germain against City. Both the Spanish and the French club actually played two games before uh, these these ties. So that that's an interesting setup by both those leagues. Um, just an early uh, prediction on that. Obviously, we're still going to see how things play out over the weekend. Uh, what, what are you expecting, Luke? Uh, look, I, I, <laughs> two cracking games to look forward to. I, I can't see Chelsea getting past Real Madrid. Um, as much as I want it for you, Dave, <laughs> I just can't. I'm I, I looking at it and, and I know Tuchel wants it and and they, they have a good squad and they've been doing well, but I just can't see it. So I think Real will go through in that. And um, look, City PSG, toss a coin. That's um, that's a cracker. I can't wait to watch that. Right, you, Bridgie. I'm taking Chelsea, Dave. I really do. I think Tuchel's going all out. And I think with, like you said, with the games, um, Real Madrid with a couple of couple of injuries, a little bit of disharmony as well going on. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Chelsea, and I can't call. I cannot call the other one. I really want it to be an English team in Manchester City, but the way Neymar and Mbappe linked up in the last match mm. was just a joy to watch. It was, it was just total football, and Di Maria was involved as well. That yeah, um, I can't. How, go good, how good is that game going to be? That's going to be an absolute cracker. That's a That's do not mix. I prefer yeah. that to be the final. I mean, the last game yeah. that they took part in against Bayern Munich should have been the final. It was just brilliant. Well, it's interesting. We will de- definitely get a contrast in styles come the final, and we will definitely get um, a bit of uh, old history against new kids on the block wanting to make history in the Champions League. And that is probably a fitting way to end because how can you even think that uh, we're talking about history, we're talking about teams like Madrid who have all those trophies, and we're talking about that in the same episode where we're saying that those clubs were prepared to blow up all that history to try something else. Absolutely ridiculous. So I cannot wait to see normal business resume this midweek as we fire on. On for that. As we wrap up, just to mention the other Premier League fixtures we're going to see uh, on our screens this weekend, and it is headlined by Leeds United against Manchester United on a Sunday evening at 11pm. How good is Daylight Savings? Uh, sort of the, not Daylight Savings, the alignment of time without Daylight Savings. And the round wraps up, as I said, with Leicester City against Crystal Palace on Tuesday with Aston Villa playing West Brom on Monday. You looking forward to that Leeds game, Bridgie? I certainly am. They call it the War of the Roses. It goes back centuries. Um, you know, it's it's just quite fitting. Uh, they 
The last time was 2003. Harry Kuehl scored the goal. It was the last time Leeds managed to get a win over them. I wasn't involved. I was injured, as usual. Um, I didn't get a part in that. But the last time was a 6-2 drubbing for Manchester United. Leeds are well up for this. They, they, they're going to roll their sleeves up. And what a game we have got um, on our hands because redemption will be sweet. And it's, you know, Man United unbeaten away on the road all season. Can Leeds be the one to um, derail them? It's going to be very interesting. Absolutely wouldn't put it past them. But before we go, I'll just mention something that you can check out on the Optusport app right now. It's from the WSL this morning on Thursday morning. It was a two-all draw between Manchester City and Chelsea where Sam Kerr scored and a fabulous interview from their coach, Emma Hayes, at the end where she's talking about brilliant. How, yeah, did you see that? How agonizing. Yeah. That I said that was the interview you didn't know you needed to see today. That was that just how so me good. And Luke have felt for the last three weeks, mate. Honestly. <laughs> Luke, have you have you seen it? Luke? Agonizing. Talking about the agony of holding on to a tight result and just how much it meant she, she hated it she hated it yeah uh, the joys of football huh Bridgie the joys of football that's Mate, what it's all about that emotion you can't she you, talked you about can't all that. the emotions she went through and how the her family were watching and the colour drained from her face because she felt sick and the, can she hang on to the result they got the draw were they going to score at the other end it was just a really really good um, interview and it, you know it, it was um, it's nice to see the, the personal side rather yeah. than just the usual the main oh, sorry boring crap that they come out with that was just really really humbling yep, you don't get you know, results, results mate, they, they make you weak make and break your week <laughs> if, I, if we don't win I'm two days don't talk to me I'm depressed depressed mode no, hang on. I'm going to actually make sure I put your fixtures down now in my diary so I know when not to uh, book you on the yeah. gag and pod. Hang on one second. My, my chairman knows the same. If the result's not good, he, he won't call me. No, everyone will try and stay away from me for two days. My wife will be there trying to make breakfast in bed. Well, at, least yours, at least yours pays you when you lose. Mine doesn't even pay us. <laughs> <laughs> kids, no, are on no. rice, kids are on rice and peas at the moment. <laughs> You don't lucky, lucky. You still got the gag and pod to keep you firing through, Bridgie. Um, you do not get that. Eh? You do not get that in the uh, in the Super League. So that game, by the way, had Chelsea two points clear of keeps Chelsea two points clear of Manchester City at the top of the WSL table. And of course, you can catch those highlights and all the running there on Optus Sport going forward. Gents, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for picking the bones out of a really grim topic, but turning it into a bit of a positive. And uh, there is so much to look forward to on our screams over the coming days, weeks and months. 50 days to go, of course, until the Euros kicks off on Optus Sport. Good to see you both. Thank you very much, Dave. Yeah, Thank you to the listeners. Luke, good luck for the rest of the season, mate. You'll turn it around. I know you're a quality man. You don't go on and win MPLs without being able to turn it around, mate. So good luck. Cheers, mate. You too, buddy. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. And to everyone out there that listened to this episode, thanks very much. And as ever, until the next Gagan Pod, and there'll be match day editions next week on the Champions League, enjoy your football. Enjoy your football.